Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, my name is Dave Everett, and uh, we'll be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation. We'll be talking about healing this morning, uh, in particular. And so we'll get there in just a moment. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go again to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Go to our give page in the top right-hand corner. It's highlighted in blue. And then if, if you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom or foot of every page on our website is our mailing address. And if you're in the United States, just so you know, all of your, your contributions and donations are 100% tax-deductible, as we are a 501c3 church. Well, like I said this morning, we are uh, still talking about such a great salvation. This is actually week 12 in this whole series on such a great salvation. And uh, as I've said in previous weeks, we've broken this last segment into three mini-series. We just finished last week talking about wholeness, which I'll explain again in just a moment. And then also, uh, we're starting a new one, uh, talking about healing, starting today. So this is part one of the sub-series on healing, uh, part 12 of this over, uh, uh, series overall. I hope that doesn't confuse you. Again, all of our teachings are archived on our website. So let me just recap again real quick, like I've done in previous weeks. But in our first hour together, 12 weeks ago, we talked about the gift of salvation. We basically define what salvation is about the Hebrew and the Greek. In, in, in simplicity. At the same point in time, we described that how salvation is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't, uh, it's not based on your performance. It's a gift. And we, and we talked about how we put faith in His grace. Where you, it's not grace without faith, and it's not faith without grace. Both are, are components of receiving this salvation as a gift. And then we talked about the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is not going to heaven and avoiding hell. Those are some of the great benefits of salvation. Okay, and there is a heaven and there is a hell. The, but the purpose of salvation is as a relationship with God. Even if there was not a heaven and even if there was not a hell, and there are, Jesus still would have died for us so that we can have a relationship with God. Because the best part about heaven is that God is there, and the worst part about hell is that God is not there. And then we spent a couple weeks talking about the necessity of salvation, why we need to, to talk, why we need to be saved, where we need to be saved from. And this was a segue to talk about the benefits of salvation. And we have not included all of these in detail. There's so many benefits of our salvation. That's why this, this whole series is talking about such a great salvation. This is really where I want to get to, but some of the other parts we had to deal with as a, as a, a prerequisite to, to where we want to go now. And we just finished uh, several weeks on talking about the benefits of, of wholeness. Uh, the benefits of salvation relate, how it relates to wholeness, more specifically spirit, soul, and body, and those of you who are familiar with that. And starting this week, we're going to be talking about the benefits of salvation in regards to healing. And then once we're done with this mini-series, we're going to be talking about uh, the benefits of salvation and as it regards to prosperity. Now, the one thing you'll see even this morning that I will, I will have something about prosperity and integrated with healing because I believe in many ways they go hand in hand. They're part of our salvation, okay? Uh, same, same way that I'm going to be talking about heaven and hell. I have benefits of our salvation going to heaven and avoiding hell. 
So we're talking about the again the benefits of salvation. We're in the fourth segment. It's a long the longest part of this teaching on such a great salvation. And again, we're talking specifically this morning about healing and over the next few weeks. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's uh, go to our key verse so far for this uh, segment talking about healing, and that is the third book of John. Third book of John only has one chapter, and we're going to be looking at verses two through four. The third epistle of John. If you go to the Revelation, go to Jude, and go backwards, third John will be the third book from the, the back of the book about your Bible. We're going to look at it from the King James Version, third John. It only has one chapter, we'll start at verse two. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things. I want to say that again. Beloved, I wish above all things. This is John, the Apostle John writing. John wrote five books. He wrote the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. So there's both prosperity and healing in this verse. Even as thy soul prospers. We've already talked about the soul. Is the mind, will, and emotions in simplicity? Uh, we talked about that in our previous uh, uh, mini series on holiness. Okay, let's go to verse 3. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. We're going to be looking at this, you know, these three verses, especially verses 2 and 4, uh, more in depth as we go forward. But let me just say, you know, he ends in verse 4 here, um, uh, at least what we're looking at this morning. John saying, <coughs> excuse me, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You know, uh, again, I wasn't going to go here, but this is Mother's Day. And for you uh, Christian and godly mothers, I believe that there's no greater joy than you have than to see that your own children are walking in the truth. As pastors, and I'm a pastor, and as pastor, I have no greater joy than to see that my spiritual, spiritual children, people who God has put under my care, people who God has, have, have come and sat under my teachings and, and my leadership and whatnot, and how, how, however that entails, there's no greater joy than I have to see that just people, Christians in general, whether they're part of my church or not, I have no greater joy than to see that people are walking in the truth. Am I... Am I, can I make, am I making sense with that? Okay, now I'm sharing my heart, so hopefully you can see that that's my heart. But, as we get into talking about healing, and it also, this also goes into prosperity and some other topics that we can talk about, there are many things, I believe, that regarding healing in particular, that need to be cleared up. See, going ba based on what John just said in verse 4, one of the things that discourages me the most as a pastor and as a Christian and a brother of Christ is when God's people believe a lie. Okay? And they become ensnared into that lie. Okay? See, lies, no matter how they make you and I feel, they lead to bondage in our lives. No matter what the lie is. If it's a lie to be in sin, or it's a lie to still be sick, or it's a lie to be a lie to still be not prosperous in your life. Whatever the lie is. No matter how it makes you feel, that's your soul. It keeps you in bondage. It's a snare. Okay? Jesus said it this way, the opposite of a lie is the truth. 
and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth can make you free, but it doesn't have any power to make you free if you don't know it. <clears throat> and if you believe a lie, if the truth will make you free, the lie, a lie will keep you ensnared. It will keep you in bondage. Okay? If the only thing that can set you free, and specifically, specifically in this mini-series we're going to be talking about healing, <clears throat> then a lie, the opposite of the, the truth, will keep you in bondage. Will keep you sick. Okay? I want the truth. I want freedom. Not to sin, but freedom from sin and freedom from sickness and freedom from any other things such as lack. But I also know through the years as a pastor and just a Christian, not everybody is ready for the truth. Not everybody wants the truth. And not everybody is wants to believe the truth. Okay? Now, some people don't even know what truth is. They haven't been taught the truth. And so they believe in their truth, or they believe in what they think is true, but they're not believing in the truth. Because the truth will set you free. In other words, many people believe a certain way, and they're not going to let Jesus or the Bible get between them and what they believe. I want to say that again. I find this all over the world, and all over, all over Facebook, all, and, and, and different things. Many people believe a certain way, and they're not going to let Jesus or the Bible get in the way of what they believe. I've certainly experienced this many times as a pastor and as a Christian, and many people will fight to be poor. Many people will fight to be sick. I, but I'm not ministering to those people. I'm ministering to those who are hungry for the things of God. In this particular setting, on this particular uh, uh, video, on this particular teaching, I'm not ministering to those who want to fight against me. I'm ministering to those who are hungry for the things of God. Okay? Going back to 1 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as they so prosper. I'm not going to be talking about prosperity so much in this teaching. Uh, but let me just say a few things as we get into healing this morning. Prosperity, even healing, I can say... Prosperity is a controversial subject. Okay? You just say the phrase or the words, God wants you to prosper and people get upset. And most of those people who get upset about God wanting you to prosper are religious people. The world doesn't really get too much too upset about wanting to prosper. It's religious people who get upset about people teaching about prosperity. People get upset due to abuses they've heard misuses of the Bible, and misuses of the message of prosperity. And I can agree with that. I get upset too because of abuses and misuses that I've seen in the church and outside the church. But I don't care how many people mess the message up. God still wants us to prosper. Are you hearing my heart? Yeah, I'm acknowledging with many of you, many people have messed the message but I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. No matter how many people have messed the message, God still wants you to prosper. Again, God wants you to prosper. Prosperity, though, to God, involves a whole lot more than just money. It doesn't exclude money, but prosperity is much more than just money. Prosperity is wholeness. We just talked 
several weeks about wholeness. Prosperity is soundness. Okay, prosperity involves your spirit, your soul, and your body, which we just spent several weeks talking about over the last five or six weeks. But prosperity also involves your finances. It involves relationships. It involves your health and your body. A prosperous person is, a, is whole in their entire being, spirit, soul, body, finances, etc. Again, God wants you prosperous, but God also wants you healed. And that's what we're going to be talking over the next few weeks. We'll get back to prosperity in, in a few more weeks from now. But let me just say this from the get-go. I know and believe God wills to heal everyone, every time, everywhere. I believe, and what I teach, and what I will be teaching, is that I know and I believe that God wills to heal everyone, every time, everywhere. But I also know not everyone receives their healing. In the same token, not everyone gets saved. Not everyone receives their healing, and not everyone receives salvation. You're going to hear me using these terms hand in hand, but healing is salvation. Salvation includes healing. Okay, but the same way that people don't always receive the forgiveness of sins, not everybody's going to heaven. Some people are going to hell, and some many people are going to hell in the, by the droves. Okay, not everyone is saved, and not everyone receives their healing. I believe that God wants to heal everybody. I believe God wants to save. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me say that again. I believe God wants us to save everybody. I believe God wants everybody to go to heaven, and nobody to go to hell. But the fact is, many people are going to hell, okay, and very few are going to heaven, okay, and so, and that is a sad commentary, but that is the truth, okay, but I believe God wants to heal everyone, and I believe God wants to save everyone. Is everyone healed? No. Is everyone saved? No. But God still wills to heal everybody. Not everything that God wills takes place, and we're going to get into that in a little more detail in a few moments. God loves people. He died for the entire world. And God's mercy, and we'll get into more of this, His compassion is part of His healing nature. We'll, talk, we'll spend a whole hour on this whole compassion of God regarding the healing. But we, we need to cooperate with that. We need to cooperate with God's heart and His mercy and His compassion. And there are reasons why God's will for healing is not always manifest. There's reasons for that. We're going to deal with some of them this morning, but we're not going to deal with all of them. Okay? But the reason is never because God didn't will it to happen. The reason for people, God didn't just, didn't just pick and choose who gets saved, who gets healed, who gets prosperous. There are mysteries to sickness and sin. We're going to look at these almost interchangeably, sickness and sin. There's mysteries to it. But we also need to understand both sickness and sin are part of our human nature. It's part of our fallen nature. I'm talking about our human nature. Not our born-again spirit that we just spent six weeks talking about or so. That, that part, is, there is no sickness. There is no sin in there. But in our flesh, our fallen, our unredeemed flesh, it's been purchased, but it hasn't been redeemed, sickness and sin are still part of our human, natural flesh life. If you are in this fallen world, sin is something you still have to continually deal with. Okay? And if you are in this fallen world, you still have to deal with sickness continually. You have to deal with sin and sickness continually, and you have to deal with it and war with it. We're in a war. 
And sin, again, sickness and sin are part of our human nature. Your body is not redeemed. We just spent a lot, several weeks talking about that. Okay? Your body has been purchased by the blood of Jesus, but it has not yet been redeemed. You still have the same body you had before you got saved. You have a brand new spirit, and your soul has been the process of being saved, but your body will not, you will not get a new body until Jesus comes again with his presence and with his kingdom. So your body and your soul is still subject to sin, and it's still subject to sickness. Okay? And we must fight, and we must war against both sin and sickness. Jesus not only made provisions for sin on the cross, so that you can overcome sin, but Jesus also made provisions for sickness on the cross, so that you can overcome sickness. The same cross took care of both sin and sickness, and we're going to look at it in very much detail in the next several weeks. God has done something about, about our sin, and we need to walk in the light of it. Jesus did something about sin. He, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He who knew no sin became sin. So now you and I can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus became sin. Jesus crucified your sin. We reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, Romans 6, 11. So God has done something about sin. He's already done something about it in Jesus. So that we can walk in the light of this righteousness. And he has also done something about sickness on the same cross. So that God, that we can walk in the light of holiness, being healed in our spirit, in our soul, in our body. Most Christians believe sickness is greater, but however, let me switch my tongue. Most Christians believe sickness is greater than healing. Most Christians believe darkness is stronger and more powerful than light. That death is more powerful than life. Most people believe in sickness. <clears throat> Most people expect to get sick. But they don't use that same expectation to get healed. Most people plan to be sick. They yield to be sick. And I come to talk to you this morning and over the next few weeks about the power of the cross. The power of the salvation we have in Christ Jesus and the power of healing in our lives. See, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, you could not touch a leper, for example, or you might catch leprosy. You couldn't touch it. It was contagious. In the Old Covenant, you could not touch the dead or you were considered defiled and you had to be outside the camp. Even ladies, if you had an issue of blood once a month, you were considered defiled during that season, monthly season. So once a month, you're going to find yourself outside the camp. That's the old covenant. But we are under the new covenant. Okay? And in the new covenant, we are commissioned to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In the old covenant, if you touch the sick, you can get sick. In the new covenant, we are to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I know we just had COVID, but the new covenant does not say if we lay hands on the sick, they will make us sick. <coughs> Excuse me. Now I want to say this again. We need to hear this. The new covenant does not say if we lay hands on the sick, they will make us sick. 
No, the new covenant says if we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. That's what the new covenant says. That's the opposite of the old covenant. I believe the word of God. And I believe the new covenant that Jesus made for us on the cross. And because I believe that, I believe it's always God's will to heal. And I do not waver from that. I do not waver about God's will to heal. See, what I'm trying to teach here, and I'm just giving, I'm just, this is a lot of right now is just a prelude to everything I'm going to be talking about in the next several weeks. But many have disagreed with me on this. Many people have mocked me about this. And many people have attacked me on this. Until the doctor says, they got six weeks, six months. You know, if you get sick, fixing to die, your theology goes right out the window and you want to be healed. I do not have all the answers. I'm not claiming to have all the answers in this teaching on healing. But I do know it's always God's will to heal. I do not have all the answers. I can't tell you what and explain why so and so died. I'm not called to minister to the dead. I'm called to minister to the living. I can't teach why someone died, but I can teach you how to live long and prosper. See. We often get mixed up in what we don't know that we stray from what we do know. I'm here to tell you I don't know everything. I'm not claiming to know everything on the subject. I'm not claiming I know everything about salvation. But I don't allow what I don't know to shake me away from what I do know. And it, but if I focus and believe on what I do know, I get the answers on what I don't know. I can't tell you and explain why so and so that. I get that question a lot. And I can tell you stories of the stories. Some were very mean and how they, how they wanted me to, to explain that. But I can teach you how to live long and to prosper. I can teach you how to receive healing everywhere. Every time. My purpose in this message, in this mini-series, within the series, is to help people navigate through the deception and confusion to receive their healing. My purpose is not to argue with you. My purpose is not to fight with you. My purpose is not to get you to believe like me. My purpose is to get you healed. All I care about in this teaching is that you get healed and that you prosper as we get into the prosperity part of this message and that your family gets healed and that your finances get healed and we talk about prosperity. My second purpose is to equip you to minister to others. Again, my purpose is to get you healed and my second purpose is to get you so equipped so you can help others get healed. I don't have an axe to grind. I don't have a beef with anybody or any denomination. But I do know from Hosea 6, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. But we are dying. Not spiritually speaking, physically speaking. And this is not theology to me. This is life and death 
with me for many people. People go through some real stuff. And it's not fun. It's not games. It's not theology. If I don't preach the truth, more or less will die prematurely. I'm not called to save everybody. But I am called to be faithful and preach what I do know. But if I can stand on the truth and set more people free, that is worth it to me. Again, this is not theology to me. People are dying. People are sick. People are being tortured with many vicious diseases and illnesses and, and pains. And I'm believing with them. I'm standing with them. And I want to get the word of God to them. There is only one thing worse than no knowledge at all, and that is the wrong knowledge. People have been taught wrong. I'm not saying everybody's been taught wrong, but many people have. Okay? And people have been taught things about healing and sickness, disease, even prosperity that are not true. I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth. I am not trying to upset anyone. I'm not trying to hurt anyone in this teaching. I'm trying to get the truth to you. And I know the truth will make you free. Again, going back to, I just quoted it, but 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Well, that's my introduction to my introduction. And now I'm going to switch gears here. And what I'm going to go over the remainder of my message this morning, whatever time I have left, and I'm going to talk about eight major non-truths many people struggle with regarding healing. We're going to talk about eight different non-truths. I didn't know exactly how to phrase this. But eight different non-truths, lies, deceptions, that people struggle with regarding healing. They're not all of them, but there's eight major ones that I hear all the time. As a pastor, as a believer, even somebody myself, I maybe I've struggled with that to a certain level. At times through the years, okay, and so, um, but eight major non-truths many people struggle with regarding healing. The first one is this: healing died and passed away with the last apostle. That's a non-truth. That I should put this in quotes. But many people have quoted this. Many people have said this. Many people have taught this. Many people have learned this. Many people have said this. Do you know how many people have believed that lie? That that the healing has passed away with the apostles. Do you know how many people have taught that lie and yet alone embraced that lie and believed it? This lie that says healing died and passed away with the last apostle. Think about how horrible that is for a moment. What you just said is part of God died with the last apostle. Think about that for a moment. In the Old Testament, God said his name was Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals you. He also said, I change not. Two different scriptures, two different passages of scripture. God's very name is Jehovah Rapha. God's nature, God's name is I am the Lord who heals you. And when we say, when we teach, when we believe that healing died with the last apostle, we are saying part of God died with the last apostle. Do you know how horrible that is? 
Do you know how misconstrued that is for us to say part of God died? Exodus 15, 26 says, For I am the Lord who heals you. That's where we get the name Jehovah Rapha. God's name, his very name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. <coughs> and we have many other scriptures that says God can't change. Well, he's not God. If God changes, he's not God. He changes not. And there is no way part of God could have died and passed away with the last apostle. Okay? God is the healer. God is my healer. God is your healer. And he has always been the healer. And he will always be the healer. I want to, I want to say that here. God is the healer. He's always been the healer. And he will always be the healer. God does not change. Okay? No matter what generation dies and passed away, God is who he is. He will always be God. And he is a God who heals you. He is Jehovah Rapha. God can't help but heal when he shows up. It's his nature. It's who he is. Healing is who God is. And I can't preach that a part of God doesn't exist anymore. I can't teach that. I must teach the God of the Bible. It says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord who heals you. He is our healer. And this lie comes from religious circles. This doesn't come from the world. The world doesn't even believe this. Okay? Dead religion will kill you. Saying that the last apostle, killing died with the last apostle. That's why I despise religion. That's why I love religion. I, I, I'm against it. I despise it. I hate it. Lost people don't even think like that. Okay? Do you know the world knows God heals? Because they'll come to church when, they, when their life is on the line. It's a religious person who says God doesn't heal anymore. Only a religious person can say that. Okay? Those who are the... These are the kinds of people who oppose Jesus the most and kill them. We'll get into some of this. Talk about the Sabbath. Jesus always healed the Sabbath. And they wanted to kill Jesus the most because he healed on the Sabbath. It's this hot whole concept that God doesn't heal, he shouldn't heal, that, that, that caused him to kill Jesus. It was religious people who killed Jesus. Now, I know some of you are going to come back and say, Jesus was not killed. He wasn't murdered. He gave himself. And I agree with that. He did give himself. But you can read these scriptures right here. I'm not going to go there. From Acts chapter 3, uh, I, I'm missing one. There's, there's actually three verses in there. I, I duplicated it. But it's that Peter and the apostles are saying that this is the man you killed. They use the word kill, meaning murder. Now, I also agree, and even though this is true, I also agree Jesus gave himself. Okay? But at the same point in time, religious people were the ones who plotted the whole thing. God orchestrated all, all the things of Scripture. It was a fulfillment of Scripture. It was all prophesied and all that. I get, I get that, and I'm not taking away from that. 
I'm just anyone trying to come at me that Jesus was not killed. Well, the apostles don't agree with you. And you just said that some of you, some of you just said that he wouldn't die with the last apostles, and you don't even believe the apostles. Okay, so anyway, get off that rabbit trail. See, this is why I hate religion. Because religion has always been against Jesus. I am not going to allow religion to warp my mind by things they say that are not in the Word of God. That's one thing I just won't do. Not just regarding healing, but regarding prosperity and regarding other topics that we can talk about. The hardest place in the world to get healed sometimes are dead churches. See, if you believe in the lie that healing died and passed away with the last apostles, you will struggle to get healed. And like I said, the hardest place sometimes to get healed is in the dead church. That's why we used to have ten meetings. Because the dead churches didn't believe it. The church rejected healing at large for decades, for years. But in our church, we expect Miracles every time we pray. We expect if we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. In our church, we expect you to get healed. This is a place where everyone should be get healed. Not just this church, but your church too, if you have another church. So we're talking about eight major churches many people struggle with regarding healing. We just dealt with the first one, healing died of a way to pass way with the last apostle. We deal with that. That's a non-truth. Okay? Part of God did not die. He is he, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He changes not. And he and Jehovah Rapha, he healed. The second one we want to deal with, B, is God heals some, but not all. Some people believe that. That God picks and chooses. He heals some people. But not all. You're just waiting. You're hoping your number is drawn. But if you believe that lie, that you will, you will always be the not all. If you believe that God heals some and not all, you will always believe you're the not all. God heals everyone but me. Well, God heals some but not all, meaning he probably won't heal me. That's what many of us think when we believe this lie. John 5, 19 in the New Living Translation says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what the, he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son does also. It's echoed in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. God wills to heal all. Jesus didn't do anything. He didn't see the Father doing. And Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil. So if Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil, and he only does what he sees the Father doing, the Father wills to heal all who are oppressed by the devil. You can't believe a lie that says God heals some, but not all. Where does that come from? All may not get healed, but that has nothing to do with the will of God to heal them all. God wills everyone to be saved and go to heaven and not hell. 
But we all know that that's not happening. But that has nothing to do with God's will for everyone to be saved and go to heaven and not hell. God wills to heal all, even if nobody gets healed at all. He still wills it. Even if nobody in your family gets saved, he still wills for them to be saved. Okay? God still wills for them to be healed and for them to be saved. Seventeen times in the New Testament, Jesus healed all who were present. I'm not going to go to all these scriptures. You can look at 17 times. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that, G and some of these might be repetitive, I get that, but that is still a point. Jesus, on multiple occasions, healed all who were present. Every single one of them. Okay? And, and, and that's 17 times. And John said, when he concluded his book, and there were, were so many things that Jesus did, which they were not were written. If they were written one by one, I suppose not even the world could could contain the books that were written in them. I think I may have misspelled some things. But anyway, so, bottom line, John said, if everything that Jesus did was written, there would not be enough books on this planet. We only have 17 of them. I believe there was many more. Based on what John said. Okay? 17 times, everyone who came to Jesus was healed. Everyone! Every single person. This is what I want to see in this church. This is what I want to see in whatever you gather. But how are we going to die? Some people will say, how are we going to die if we don't get sick? That's a question that people ask. This should be a, a kind of a nice thing that people struggle with this. I'm putting this under the umbrella and I'll get healed. How many of you know we will all die in Jesus' days? And your body right now is decaying. And if you... But if you believe you can't die without getting sick, then you're believing to get sick. You might not realize that. You might not come in terms with that. But you're believing to get sick. Okay? You can die without getting sick. You can die in your sleep. No sickness at all. I believe that. It's happened many times. We will never see something if we don't believe for it. But you will see it if you believe for it. And if you believe you have to get sick to die, then you will get sick and you to die. And we talked about 17 times where Jesus ministered, healed everyone. And we have 47 times where one to two people were healed. I'm not, again, I'm not going to go to all these references in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But 47 times. 47 times. Somebody was healed. Some of you need to saturate your mind with these scriptures in order for you to renew your mind, what we've been talking about over the last several weeks of spirit, soul, and body, for God to heal you. Okay? Jesus healed, in other words, what I'm trying to get, Jesus healed everyone, everywhere, and every time to ask. There was never anyone turned, Jesus never turned down one person who asked to be healed. That was never once. Okay? The closest we have is a Syrophoenician woman, where it looks like it's a Gentile talked about the children, Jesus talked about the children's bread with her. And it appeared that Jesus was turning her down. That's what it appeared to be. But yet her tenacity and faith got her daughter healed. And Jesus marveled 
There's only two people that we see that it's, that's recorded. Where Jesus marveled at their faith, and that was the centurion and the Syrophoenician woman. And it looked like she, he was turning her down. But he never refused anybody. Never once. Never once did we see a scripture where just Jesus says, let me bless you with leprosy. Let me bless you with cancer. Let me bless you with blindness. No. None of, all that's a curse. None of that is a blessing. And Jesus never refused anyone. Were there places where he didn't heal anybody? Yes, those who didn't have this thing called faith. Okay. Jesus could not do any miracles. His faith was not present. Okay. But Jesus healed everyone everywhere and every time he asked. Every time. And he only did what he saw his father do. Okay. We need to believe for God to heal everyone today, including you, including your loved ones and your family. Again, we're talking about a major non-truths many people will struggle with. We dealt with healing dying away with the last apostle. We dealt with God heals some, but not all. We've already debarked those two. Let's talk about the traditions of men. Again. In Mark 7, 13, Jesus says, Making the word of God of known effect through your tradition, which you have handed down in many such things you do. Why does the word of God have no effect on some people while it's having effect on maybe others? Because sometimes it's just tradition. You have more faith in your tradition than you do the word of God. Sometimes our traditions get in the way. So sometimes we have some family traditions to do some things, and I'm not against tradition just for the tradition's sake. But sometimes our tradition do get, does get away in our faith in some areas of our life. Okay? Some churches, there is no power because of, of they are filled with traditions. They don't, they don't make room for the supernatural. They don't make room. Their traditions have gotten away. Their religiosity has gotten away. Some churches... There is no miracles because they are filled with traditions. I'm not saying this about every church, but there's many churches out there I've been a part of our visited or had some connection with some to some level. There was no miraculous because of the traditions that they had. In other words, they have exalted what men say versus what God says. <coughs> In Houston, we have a problem when we exalt what men say versus what God says. Because when we exalt what men say over what God says, it will cancel out the power of God every time. Okay? People are filled with the traditions of men. And we need to care more about what God says versus what man says. We need to deal with, and we will be dealing with over the next several weeks. I'm not going to deal with these today. But we, we're going to deal with Paul's thorn in the flesh. Okay? We're going to deal with Timothy and his sickness. We're going to deal with Trophimus. Hope I'm saying his name right. Apophaditis. Okay? I know some people can say that real well and I can't. 
And even, even Elisha, we're going to look at Elisha. I'm going to touch base on, the, on a couple of these real quick right now, but we're going to go in more detail later on all five of these. But regarding Paul's sword in the flesh, for example, many people will believe many things that are not in the Bible regarding Paul's sword in the flesh. Then they won't believe what God what is in the Bible regarding Paul's sword in the flesh. Let me say it again. They will make people believe what is not in the Bible regarding, regarding Paul's sword in the flesh. And then they won't believe what is in the Bible regarding Paul's sword in the flesh. Okay? And that will always cancel all your faith. When you're that way. When you're going to believe what man says versus what God says, what the Bible says, it will always cancel out your faith. Because where does faith come from? Hearing the word of God. So if you don't, don't believe the word of God, you, you don't have any faith. Okay? If you believe Paul was sick and was not healed, that will, that will put unbelief in your heart regarding healing. And that's why we're going to deal with it. Because if you don't believe that Paul, when he asked for healing, was rejected, that will put unbelief in your heart. For you to be receive healing. And we're going to look at that. That most people teaching regarding healing and Paul not being healed, be rejected or being denied healing. Well, if we believe that, it will put unbelief in our hearts for our own healing. Okay? Because if Paul got rejected, who are you? <laughs> I mean, okay? So we're going to look again at these five things, but um, but I want and I want to be honest. I want to look at all five of these things, because these are some places where people struggle. Uh, four of these are New Testament, and one is Old Testament. But I want to be honest and transparent about all these things in the Word of God. Elisha, for example, prayed for others to get healed, and yet got sick and died himself. And if we don't understand these things, the devil will lie to you about your healing. Okay? Evidently, you can be anointed to pray for others and they get healed, and yet you struggle. We're going to see that too in Elisha, with Elisha. Okay? That's why at times you see many faith teachers, many pastors and whatnot struggle, and yet they preach healing. Okay? They're, I mean, use me as an example. I still have a hearing deafness. I still have a uh, hacking cough that, that lingers at time to time. You've heard it. You've seen it. It's annoying. Okay? I still have some struggles. That doesn't change what I believe. Okay? They're anointed. Anointed is not to heal themselves, but to heal the people. I can receive the healing for myself, and we and we can, but that's not what the anointing's for. These faith, I talked particularly about these faith teachers, okay? Because their anointing is to heal others, not themselves. They have to believe God for their own healing, just like you and I do. Okay? So we're talking about eight major non-truths regarding, regarding people struggle with regarding healing. We dealt with uh, the, the healing died and passed away in the apostles. We dealt with God heals some and not all. We dealt briefly with the, the traditions of man. Indeed, number four, if God wants to heal me, he'll just heal me. Okay? That's something I've heard many times. In some ways, I've, I've said that myself through the years. Okay, so I'm not bashing everyone. Let's bash, I'll bash myself first. Do you know how many people stay sick because they believe that lie? Okay. Aren't you glad that you did not think that about God? You did not think about... Let me slow down. Say that again. Aren't you glad that you did not think that way about salvation? Well, if God just wanted to save me, he saved me. Okay. You'd still be dying and going to hell if you believed that way. Okay. 
Because God wants everybody to sin. I think we can all affirm that. If you can't, we'll go to 2 Peter 3 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, if you think that God wills some to perish, you're not reading the Bible, because God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all, all, A L L, I'm not talking about a laundry detergent. A-L-L should come to repentance. God wills and wants everybody saved. God wills and wants everybody healed. Just because God wills it doesn't mean everyone will be saved. No. It doesn't work that way. You have to believe it yourself. You have to receive it yourself. But God already did everything that needed to be done to save everybody. Salvation is available to everyone. And I can no more explain why some people get sick and die than I can explain why some people die and go to hell. I can't explain someone dying and going to hell. I can't explain it. And I can't explain. I mean, I can tell you the, the theology behind it. They didn't receive Jesus. They didn't believe on Jesus. Why they went to hell. But I can't explain why they rejected that. I can't explain why you re would reject such a great salvation. And any more than I can explain this, than I can explain why someone gets sick and dies. I can't explain that. Okay? I'm not passing judgment. Some of you think when I teach this way, I'm just passing judgment. And, and you're totally not misunderstanding me. But I don't understand going to hell. Jesus made it so simple. Believe on me. Receive me. In the same way we can receive Jesus to, to forgive our sins. Is the same way we can receive Jesus to heal our bodies and our minds and our finances. Yet people are going to hell by the droves. Why is the way road to destruction? Narrow is the road. Narrow is the gate. And yet many people are going through the wide gate. And not many people are going through the, the narrow gate. Going to hell is not God's will for anybody. And anyone think it's God's will for any should perish? We just read one scripture from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and said it otherwise. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And why am I? And why? And because why am I different? Why am I any different than someone who's going to hell? There's only one reason why I'm different than anyone going to hell, and that's because I mix faith with grace, the grace of God. I receive Jesus. I mix faith with the grace of God. That's why I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. I mix faith with the word of God. And I receive Jesus. Okay? Hebrews 4, 2 says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but not be mixed with faith in those who heard it. We have to mix faith in his grace. We have to hear the word of God and mix faith with it. Believe it. Receive it. You have to believe God and receive it. His provisions, including healing. God wants you saved. Okay? God, you have to receive it. You have to believe it. You have to accept it. So why is healing any different? Okay? Well, if God wants me saved, he'll just save me. It's the same. It's the, we're on the same one, D. 
If God wants me healed, he'll just heal me. If God wants me saved, he'll just heal me. No. It doesn't work that way. You have to believe it. You have to receive it. So if God wants me healed, he'll just heal me. No. You have to believe it. You have to receive it. Okay? How many believe God wants you to be holy? How many of us want to believe? In other words, we could just change the question. If God wants me to be holy, he'll just make me holy. It doesn't work that way, folks. Okay? God wants you holy. God made a way for you to be holy. But you have to yield. How many believe that God doesn't want you to sin? We could change, we could change this, this excuse many ways ways. Well, if God doesn't want me to sin, he'll just stop me. If I choose to sin, God will not stop me. God does not will for me to sin. I have to yield, I have to believe, and I have to receive. I have to learn to resist temptation. And by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, I have to resist sin. And by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, I have to resist sickness. I don't. I'm not the sick trying to get well. I'm the well resisting sickness. In the name of Jesus. Same thing with poverty and lack. I'm not trying to get rich. I'm resisting lack. Okay? Again, eight major truths many people struggle with regarding healing. We dealt with healing has died way with the last apostle. We dealt with the God heals some and not, not all. We dealt with the traditions of man. And we dealt with if God wants to heal me. He'll just, if he wants me healed, he'll just heal me. To number 5E, which perverse understanding of sovereignty. Now, I could spend a lot of time on this. But people have a misunderstanding of sovereignty. Do I believe God is sovereign? Yes. If we understand sovereignty correctly. For example, the Queen of England is sovereign over England. Does she micromanage every single affair that happens in England? Does she tell each person when they can brush their teeth, when they can use the toilet, when uh, they can do this or that? Does she tell them what meal they can prepare, and how to prepare, and when to prepare, and, and whatnot? She's not sovereign over every single event that happens in, within the country. She has sovereignty in the way that sovereignty, or what sovereign is. But we think that God is just micromanaging every single event, and we're, we're going we're gonna to debunk that briefly here this morning. See, in other words, people believe that everything happens for a reason. I hear that a lot. People know that God is sovereign, and that he can do whatever he wills. He's God. He's king. He's God. <laughs> okay? And people know that God has all power. So, if they get sick, they say things like, it must have been God's will. There must have been a higher purpose. Because they know that God is sovereign. They know that God is all-powerful. That he's God. They're not, at least got that part right. He's God. And they're not questioning his godness. Okay? I don't know if that's a word, but... But, but because of that, and when they collide, or when they try to marry his sovereignty, even though they have a misunderstanding of sovereignty, with, for example, sickness, they, they, they only 
their only natural conclusion is there must be a higher purpose. They're trying to excuse why someone is sick. And if they get sick, they, everything happens for a reason. Okay? Yet the devil is trying to kill us, and we need to wake up. God is king. He is Lord. But there is still a devil who is out to kill, steal, and destroy. I just quoted John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. Okay? James 4, 7 says it this way. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We are in the new covenant. God is king. God is Lord. <coughs> God is God. But we still have to submit to God. And we still have to resist the devil. If God was just micromanaging everything, why would we even need to resist the devil? And he will flee from us. Not everything that happens to us is God's will. We have to understand this, folks. Not everything is some higher purpose of God. Not everything. Religion, again, will kill you. But many don't even believe what they are saying when they say everything happens for a reason or whatnot. Even the world despises religion. Okay? Religion says, God made me sick to teach me something. People say this. God made me sick to teach me something. They say that, and yet they really don't believe that. They say that, and yet they don't really believe what they just said. How do I know? And, and, and when, I, when, I counter, when I counter this phrase, God may be sick to teach me something, and I say, you don't even believe that. Now come back. Yes, I do. Then why are you taking medicine to resist the will of God? If you believe that God made you sick to teach you something, then why are you rebelling against God by taking medicine? Why are you going to doctor, you reprobate? If you really believe God is teaching you sickness, gave you sickness to teach you something, then why would you see a doctor and take medicine? Okay? Many don't even believe what they're saying. They'll say that, but they don't believe it. If you think God gave you cancer to teach you something, then ask him for a double dose so you can learn it quicker. This is not Bible. This is not Old Testament. This is not New Testament. Okay? You don't believe it. Nobody believes this junk. Okay? That's just religion. Not everything that happens in this earth is God. There is evil happening in the earth. And that is not God's will. So they say, so they get sick, they say something like, well, he allowed it. If they get sick, they say, there must be, it must be his will. Folks, God gave us a free will. He gave us a free will to get saved. 
We're not robots. Otherwise, it's not love. If we don't have a free will, it's not love. If God just saved us when we didn't have a free choice in the matter, it's not love. Some things I have to submit to. Some things I have to resist. I have to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Some things are God. Some things are good. But some things are of the devil, and they're evil. Good, God, evil, devil. Some things are light, and some things are dark. Some things are holy, and some things are unholy. We need to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But they say things like, but he allowed it. But it must be his will. I'm going to say something here, and I'm not, I don't want to mean to, to offend anybody, but i got to know, especially this phrase, but he allowed it. I hate that phrase. Regarding the sovereignty of God, regarding healing. Because you are a very perverse person, and your mind is very wicked if you think for one minute that a sovereign God willed for a child to be molested. That God willed it. You are a very perverse and wicked person if you think for one minute that God willed for a woman to be raped. You are a very perverse and wicked person if you think for one minute that God willed for babies, of unborn babies, to be murdered by the millions. No one is going to mess my mind and say that God has some higher purpose in someone being molested, raped, or a child being murdered. No one is going to mess my mind up and say, God willed what is evil. It says in Zephaniah that God will do no evil. No, that was the devil who, lack of a better term, um, inspired someone to molest and rape and do all kinds of evil. That was not God's will. That was not God. He did not allow that. And we need to pray for God's will to be done. In Matthew chapter 16, we can also do this in other versions in the gospel letters. But And I will give to you the key to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose. In Matthew 18, it's almost repeated. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything, he's talking about prayer, that they, that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Church, there are some things you and I have to bind or it won't get bound. There are some things that you and I need to loose or will never get loose. God is powerful. God is sovereign, but in, the sovereign, in his sovereignty and his sovereign power, he has delegated authority to us. He gave us the kings to the kingdom. He told us to lose some things. He told us to bind some things. And we have to act, not to, in response to what he gave us, in response to the authority that he's given us. We have to believe, and we have to bind some things. We have to lose some things. He taught us to pray. And when the Lord... When the disciples ask, Lord, teach us to pray. We hear those words in the Luke, Luke, 
But we, in the, I got to go to Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, verse 9, in this manner, therefore, Jesus said, Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If God is sovereign and his will is being done in the earth automatically, then why did he teach us to pray, your will be done? If Jesus taught us to pray for God's will to be done, how can we turn around and say, everything that happens is in the earth is God's will? Why would he teach us to pray, your will be done? The, the bind things and loose things, if his will was being done automatically without us involved. The reason Jesus said we have to pray for God's will to be done in the earth, because, it, because God's will isn't being done on the earth. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. And it won't be done in this earth until we until we believe, until we bind, until we loose. It won't be done until we fight. We must submit. If you think everything that happens to you is God's will, you will submit. If you think everything is God, you will submit to the devil. You will submit to your flesh. You will submit the others. If you think everything that's happening, Hitler, other people are doing horrible evil, and you think it's all God, you will submit to things that are just nothing but from the pit of hell. And when you submit to those things, the devil will clean your clock. We must learn how to resist the devil. By submitting to Eight non-truths many people struggle with regarding healing. First one is that healing passed away with the last apostle. That God heals some but not all. The judicious in man. If God wants to be healed, he'll just make me heal. He'll just heal me. And then the last one we just talked about, perverse understanding of sovereignty. And I can spend a lot more time on this. Let's go to the number six. F. People interpret God's will in light of human experience. When you do not when you, when you interpret God's will in light of human experience, you, when you do that, doubt gets into your heart. When you base God's will on human experience only, you will start wavering from the will of God. Because we all have had experiences and seen things that contradict the word of God. Is what, is what Hitler did contradict the word of God? Is abortion contradict the word of God? Sickness contradicts the word of God. God's word says this, but our human experience says something totally different. And when people exalt human experience above the word of God, Instead of exalting the word of God above human experience, we have a problem. Again, they say, but he allowed it. They know good people who got sick and died, and so they have to come up with an answer. God, so they say, God must have allowed it. He must have willed it and allowed it. 
Let's use an another example. Let's go to the in Genesis chapter one to three. We see about Adam and Eve. And supposedly there was two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And to keep our story short, God said regarding the tree of knowledge of good and evil, do not eat this from this tree. Okay? God's word is his will. Okay? And what was God's will regarding the tree of knowledge of good and evil? What was his will? Do not eat the tree. Or eat from the tree. Okay? Did God allow them to eat? Yes. He gave them free will. You can eat in any tree. But he told them not to eat from one particular tree. He told them his will. He was very specific. Very black and white. Did he will for them to eat of the tree? No, he told them not to. He told them what his will did was. He told them not to, and what would happen if they did? You will surely die. <coughs> but there are always consequences for disobeying God's will. Not just in the not just in the fall, in the garden. But there are always consequences for disobeying God. And what God allows is not necessarily what He wills. He told us what the consequences. consequences for disobeying God. And we can never disobey God if he always wills things. If he's willing everything. If he's even willing our disobedience. How is that disobedience? Okay. It shakes us when bad things happen to good people. And many people say things like, well, God can't, can't will to heal everyone because my mama died of cancer and she loved Jesus and she was believing. And I'm just using an example. I've heard things like this all the time. And so they take it personal. They'll say things like, if God wills to heal everyone, why did my mama die? And my answer to you, I don't know why your mama died. Okay? No one can tell you why your mama died. No one can judge your mama or any, on, on anything. We do not know God, but we do know that God loves you and, and your mama. We do know how to, to teach you to live. Many people come and say something like, well, God can't will to live because everyone, because sister so-and-so, she was the most holy person in the church. She was always there when it was open. She did this, she did that at the church, and she got cancer and she died. You just told me that God heals people according to their own holiness. <coughs> I don't know why so-and-so died, but anyone who is trusting in their own holiness will die. We don't get healed based on our, our holiness. We don't get saved based on our own holiness. We get set healed based on the works of Jesus, the finished work on the cross. And we get saved based on the works of Jesus, the finished work on the cross. We get healed based on the holiness of Jesus. And some of the hardest to get healed are the saved self-righteous. You know, I can, I can go preach healing in a jail see more people get healed sometimes than I can in a self-righteous church. Because they are looking to themselves 
instead of Jesus. And when you look at what you've done in yourselves, you will not see the, the healing manifest. I've known churches like this example I'm going to give where they are they believe in healing and yet no one is getting healed. Maybe this is a family. Maybe this is an individual. They believe in healing, but no one's getting healed. But the first person to get healed is some drunk person. Some, what they just know, they know they're a sinner. Okay? Let's talk about a, a drunk person giving, and this is a hypothetical, but I can, t I can give you as many stories about this. Where a drunk person gets healed, but the, the Christians, the, the churchgoers, are not seeing any miracles. See, the drunk knew he was unholy. The drunk knew he was a sinner. The drunk just threw himself at the mercy of God and got healed. But religious people think God will heal them because they're good people. And that is their folly. They are, their faith is in them, not Jesus. The drunkard, the sinner, has no, he knows there's no good in him. And so he just runs at the mercy of God and receives healing. Why? Why is this true? Because none of us are good enough without Jesus. I don't care what kind of person you are. We all need to learn how to live. We all need to learn how to believe and receive from God. That is where our focus needs to be. Not you, not me, not your denomination. But your focus needs to be on Jesus, your, your Jehovah Rapha, your healer. But many will say, we prayed for so-and-so, and yet she still died. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking when we believe in healing and we're sick. I think I missed some of my notes here. It's heartbreaking when we believe in healing, but we're not seeing miracles. We're not seeing things manifest. We're praying, and yet they got sick. And it's, so it's heartbreaking. I've been there too. There's been people I prayed for that they, they got sick and they died. And I like, what, where did I miss this? And yet we know it's not God's will that they didn't get healed. And the question is always thinking, why? Why? I can't answer all the reasons why they didn't get healed or why they died. But I can't get hung up on what I don't know. I have to hang on to what I do know so that I can learn more to understand what I don't know. I don't interpret the Bible based on my experience. Human experience will change. But the Word of God will never change. The Word of God is true. Okay? Jesus prayed for us in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is the truth. And if my experience and your experience does not line up with the word of God, guess who needs to change? You and me. I'm not hanging on to, I'm hanging on to the word of God. Because our experiences can be questionable. 
But I'm not going to question the Bible based on your experience and based on my experience. Your experience and my experience is not going to give me any faith. Faith comes from the Word of God. I am not going to... If, if, if we're going to argue between your experience and my experience versus the Word of God, I'm going to throw your experience and my experience out the window. It has no value to me. I'm not being mean. I'm not being rude. I will always exalt the Word of God over our experiences. Again, we're talking about eight major truths. I'm not going into all kind of detail with these. We're going to address some of these as we go further in a little more detail. We talked about how People believe that healing died and passed away the last apostle. God heals some, but not all. The traditions of man. If God wants me healed, he'll just heal me. Perverse understanding of sovereignty. We just talked about people interpret God's will in light of human experience. Okay. Um, hope I can finish this up. I'm already over it a little bit. So and so got healed and lost it, and it couldn't have. It couldn't have been God. In other words, they lost their healing. They got healed. But then they lost their hearing. You know, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to, what I'm going to do before I go here, I'm going to close it here and then I'm going to pick it up here. We'll pick it up with these last two uh, thoughts because I, I still have uh, several more slides and I don't, I don't want to rush through this, um, especially the last one I want to get into. I want to spend a little more time with. Um, so I'm gonna wrap it up right here. Now I know this might sound a little dry right now. I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm debunking some things, and I haven't fully debunked all these things because I need to go into more scriptures with some of this. But I, I also want you to know that the, the bulk of this series is not just gonna be on all debunking all the negative. I gotta throw some. I gotta uh, knock over some sacred cows here at the beginning. But I'm here to teach what healing is. And I'm going to teach, I didn't use a lot of scripture this morning, but I will be using a lot of scripture in the weeks to come as we talk about healing as part of our salvation. Okay? And so, you know, so we're talking about such a great salvation. And specifically, we're talking about healing right now. And I believe that God wants to heal everybody, everywhere, every time. Let me just keep, make this real simple in closing. Healing is part of our is in the atonement. Healing is in the cross. By His stripes, we were healed. I believe that with all my heart. I teach that with all my heart. It's part of our salvation. The word the word salvation in both the Hebrew and the Greek, just by definition, is healing. The word salvation itself is healing. And I believe salvation is here. I believe healing is here. And I receive that in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day to your uh, the moms out there. And we will see you and talk to you all next week. God bless you guys.